Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to the hideout. Thanks for coming out for First Tuesday. The older persons will be here, you know, when they get here. I mean, what are you doing? You're going to wait for them? Anyway, so I just want to welcome you. I'm Tim Tutton. I'm the president of the hideout. So I have an official capacity here if you don't know who I am already. Thank you for coming out. Um, and uh, we're very excited. We are located right here currently in the second ward. We've only been in the second ward for the last, since the last census. Historically, we were in the 32nd Ward. So this area that you're in right now, this is ground zero part of this whole ward remapping. So it obviously immediately affects us, but we also feel it's such a historic time that's occurring. So we're really looking forward to the conversation that's gonna happen in a minute. I just wanna thank you for coming out. Uh, tomorrow night, we are gonna have the Lieutenant Governor of Illinois, Juliana Stratton will be here. And she will be here doing an event for Jane's Army. And Jane's Army is an organization that's been working to support women's rights and pro-choice for a long time. And now more than ever, all right, uh, obviously, that's an important area. So the Lieutenant Governor will be here and then um, at the end of the month, on May 31st, the Lieutenant Governor of Wisconsin, Mandela Barnes, is going to be here, and he is going to be doing an event um, outside on the patio and inside, depending on how many people come, but um, Rep U.S. Representative Lauren Underwood will be here. Some other U.S. representatives are going to try to come by, too, um, and a whole host of different elected officials from Chicago that are supporting Mandela Barnes, who's running for United States Senate in our neighboring state, Wisconsin. And their primary is coming up this summer in like June, right? So that's happening too. And then we have a lot of great music. Erwin Helfer, uh, the great GM jazz piano player, is here on Thursday night at six o'clock. He's 86 years old. In a couple of years, he'll be old enough to run for president of the United States, okay? <laughs> Thank you, now I got one. Uh, so, hello, Alderman, great to see you. And so, um, I had a whole bunch of stuff I was gonna say, but they, uh, we are working also. So the hideout has been named the best stand-up comedy club in Chicago. So we have some great comedians coming in this week. Uh, we also have a great DJ coming in from London on Thursday. We've also been named in the past the best um, live music club in Chicago too. The Metro won it this year. But um, uh, we, so we have music and we have comedy and we have a lot of stuff. But what we really, really love, we're a public house. We're a town hall. We do these kinds of conversations. We talk about real, I mean, not music matters. It does. And so does comedy. God knows we need it. Or whoever knows we need it, right? <laughs> so, but, um, 
I'm going to put it back to them, all right? I always forget what I'm going to say, but I don't, but then I'll remember it later, but whatever. So thank you very much for coming out. Thank you very, this is an exciting year. It's 2022, and it's an election year, and thank you so much to Ben and Maya for keeping this show together. We also won the award last year for um, Best Online Streaming, and thank you to y'all for like keeping it going all through COVID and doing it on the porch and doing it in however we had to do it. We had to have this conversation. So here's Ben and Maya and Alderman Carlos Rosa. And it's first Tuesday in May. Spring is here. Where's our other guest? I do not know. Uh, I will. This was billed as a debate between uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa uh, and Rod Sawyer. Rod has not shown up yet. I've texted him and... Uh, uh, I can't see anything in the lights. Uh, and uh, Carlos has texted him. So uh, He's in the back room. Come on up, Rod. Come on in, uh, Alderman Sawyer. I think that means I won. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have, we're not prepared with a cardboard cutout of, of Rod Sawyer. We really thought this would be a yeah. good faith conversation. So uh, it's hard to lose a debate where the other guy doesn't show up. Uh, and so Carlos uh, gets to say... Uh, uh, I, whatever he has to say. I'll try my best to refute him, <laughs> play the role of a rod until he shows up, maybe stuck in traffic or something like that. Um, so anyway, uh, when I was going to introduce our guests. Uh, so I will introduce our guest. Uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa is the alderman of the 35th Ward here on the north side of Chicago. Uh, born and raised in the city of Chicago, proud graduate of Whitney Young High School. I always like to point that out. Uh, where he was a star on the debate team. I always like to point that out. He's been on this stage for First Tuesdays. I think Carlos and I counted it up. This is his fourth appearance, I think. Uh, at one time or another, they're all debates, uh, Carlos. So at one time, you were up against Joe Moore. Uh, you drove him out of the city council, and now he's a lobbyist for car towing companies. Uh, you debated your dear friend, Brandon Johnson. You took... Uh, you were championing uh, Bernie Sanders, and he was championing uh, Elizabeth Warren. This is 2020. Uh, and then, of course, that Titanic debate, you against David Moore in 2016. Again, you were uh, supporting Bernie Sanders, uh, and he was uh, supporting Hillary Clinton. Uh, so I was really looking forward to maybe Rod. Imagine David Moore in a Titanic debate. No, he's a really civil, <laughs> nice man. Uh, it, actually, the, the real story, which um, I think I've told before, is that uh, Delmarie Cobb was supposed to be representing uh, Hillary Clinton, and uh, that would have been a, a real Titanic debate. Uh, but um, at the last moment, she had to back out because she was the spokesperson for the Hillary Clinton campaign, the official spokesperson, and the Hillary Clinton people did not, they just didn't want her saying something that, that, the, that the campaign might have to refute. So David Moore was a good sport to step in uh, at the very last minute. Uh, so uh, as soon as Rod shows up, and I assume he will show up, because I texted with him earlier today, and he sent me his copy of his map, uh, we'll bring him into the mix. Uh, but why don't you just start? You have the first question, so you know the audience well, is here. Carlos is here. Take it away. I guess before I actually I get to that, Ben, will you orient folks a little bit to just the concept of what's happening here? Okay, yes. You know, we're talking about our ward remap. You've been through quite a few of these. 
in the last several decades. Your first big <laughs> journalistic foray was a story about remaps, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So just tell us, tell us that ground us a little bit okay. in, in the history here. So, all right, fair enough. Uh, yes, my, you're absolutely correct. The first ward map story I wrote about uh, was in 1981. Uh, so this will be my sixth ward map. Uh, and I've never had a vote in any of them. Uh, this, the 1981 was fascinating. Many parallels to this uh, battle. Uh, one parallel I'll start off by mentioning is that the man uh, brought in to uh, by Ma then Mayor uh, Jane Byrne uh, to design the map was a gentleman named Tom Keene, who was uh, the 1970s and 60s equivalent of Ed Burke. He was the finance chair. Uh, he was the most powerful alderman in the city council. He was the floor leader, essentially, for Richard J. Daley. And eventually, he went to federal prison uh, on corruption charges. Uh, Ed Burke has not gone to federal prison, I understand, but he's indicted. So, you know, he's facing trial, similar path. Uh, Keene got out of prison, and I think well, like within a year or so, or two years, I forget it was, how many long it took, uh, Jane Byrne had uh, asked him to be the architect of the ward maps, uh, the drawing of the 1981 ward maps. And so how did that process usually happen? Well, uh, in those days, well, we'll ask Carlos how it's going down, if there's any changes, but in those days, it was very much individualized awards. So you would call into a room uh, where Tom Keene would be uh, sitting there, and he would tell you, okay, here's your map. Do you have any objections? To uh, each individual alderman. To each individual alderman. So the maps were tailored as much as they could uh, to meet the needs of the individual aldermen. Uh, they, there wasn't much of concern about like a neighborhood boundary unless an alderman wanted an, a whole neighborhood kept in his ward. It was specifically tailored for the individual alderman. Uh, and uh, they were really looking out for aldermen who were loyal to Jane Byrne as opposed to there was a handful of independents in those days like Marty Overman, et cetera. Uh, and so that's, that was the, how they went about it in 1981. And that ward map uh, led to uh, a federal lawsuit uh, filed by um, black plaintiffs in the city of Chicago who argued successfully, uh, and Hispanics as well, argued successfully that the map was drawn in such a way is that it undercut the voting power of blacks uh, and Latinos. Eventually, they were victorious in court. A judge ordered a new map drawn, and that new map uh, led to some special automatic elections in 1986 and it was those special automatic elections that gave the balance of power in the city council to Harold Washington. So it's very important, these ward maps, uh, it, there are arcane discussions, you go in the weeds, uh, a lot of people look at the maps and don't understand why they're configured the way they are, it makes no sense, but ultimately, as that uh, story shows, they are very important uh, in terms of determining the power in the city of Chicago. And the fundamental reason we do this every 10 years is that there's uh, a requirement that each district ru have roughly the same number of people in it as every other district. And so uh, as population changes occur naturally over the course of 10 years, it's gonna go out of whack. And so maybe the 35th ward has more people in it than the 33rd ward or the 31st ward. And so you have to reconfigure the boundaries in such a way that they're more or less the same number of people in every ward, and that requires redrawing them. It happens on the state level with the state rep maps, the state senate maps, uh, and, and now on the local level with the aldermanic maps. So that's why there's a redrawing 
And that's why we have, you know, the, the wheeling and dealing that we have every 10 years in the Chicago City Council. I wish Rob were here because I'd love, he, I, I assume he will show up because I'd love to hear him talk about what happened, what went down in 2011 when Mayor Rahm was controlling the process and used the leverage he had in that ward map pro reprocessing to essentially twist the arms of aldermen into voting for his first budget, which was a disaster. I, I know Carl's, he wasn't, he wasn't in the city council yet, but that first budget was the one where they closed the clinics, the mental health clinics. In some ways, we haven't recovered from that. Yeah. In the city of Chicago. So that's a general process. Well, so let's get into the wheeling and dealing. So I've got a couple of slides here for each of the proposed maps. And um, I'm just going to slide by Broad's map and skip right to Carlos's. So uh, I also have a map of this that we can zoom in on. So if at any point, Carlos, you want me to pull up the one where we could get closer on anything, or if anybody out there wants to do that, just we can do that. All right, so the Chicago Coalition map, AKA the Latino Caucus map, which is not what you're supposed to call it, or the Change Illinois map, or the Ed Burke map, that's what derogatorily it's been referred to as that. Uh, by its opponents. All right, yeah, by its, by opponents, its opponents, and we'll, get, and we'll get to why they're calling it that. All right, so some key features of the map is that there are 16 majority black wards, one plurality black ward. This is now the same in both of those maps. Uh, 15 majority Latino wards. Uh, Inglewood, which is currently split up between four different wards, is now split up between just two wards, Inglewood and West Inglewood. Uh, Woodlawn and Washington Park is in the same ward in this map. Um, and there's a new majority Asian 11th ward. Uh, so the old daily Bridgeport stronghold. Um, that's also the same for both maps. And if I'm not mistaken, Carlos, you all have 15 people on board, 15 aldermen on board for this map. So my first question is, what is the origin story of this particular map? Uh, how did this particular configuration come into being? Yeah, I think that's a really uh, important question. So this is my first redistricting process. Um, what I was told was that um, 10 years ago, uh, Mike Madigan, uh, Ed Burke, Zalewski, uh, Marty Quinn, uh, so the Southwest Side white aldermen uh, who represent Latino areas that are increasingly even more Latino. Uh, since then, Zalewski stepped down because he was kind of involved in um, you know, the, the ComEd uh, investigation. Uh, and then, of course, Ed Burke has been indicted. But at that point in time, they're riding high. They're at their all-time uh, peak in terms of their power. And so I'm told that uh, Mike Madigan walks into the map room and he says, this is what the 13th ward, so that's his ancestral ward, right? That's where he comes from. This is what the 13th ward, this is what the 14th ward, and this is what the 23rd ward, Mike Zalewski. This is what these wards are gonna look like. And if anyone has a problem with that, if anyone touches any of these boundaries, tomorrow I will file a bill in Springfield to reduce the number of wards from 50 to 25. And then you all can sort that out and figure out that problem right there. And so of course, everyone said, all right, we will map around you. Right? And so the genesis for the current map that the city of Chicago has right, isn't looking at how do we make sure that we have compact districts, isn't how do we make sure that everyone is represented fairly. It begins with how do we ensure that um, you know, these three incumbents right, and their machine are taken care of and are protected. Right? Um, so this time around, you know, Dick Mel is gone. 
uh, Ed Burke has been completely and utterly defanged. Uh, Marty Quinn, uh, you know, his political boss, his political patron, is at the center of a uh, wide-ranging federal investigation, which has since resulted in Mike Madigan's indictment. And then, of course, uh, you know, Mike Zalewski has retired. And it's a little bit more of an open field now, right, to be able to talk about what a map will look like. But in this case, Mike Madigan's longtime political ally, Michelle Harris, uh, who's an older woman on the far south side. Uh, so after Mike Madigan stepped down from uh, being the head of the Democratic Party of Illinois, Michelle Harris was his pick uh, for uh, that position. Uh, at one point in time, I forget what county seat Michelle Harris was running for. Uh, I think this was not this past cycle, but maybe the cycle before last. Uh, and she ran for that position with Mike Madigan's support. So this is Mike Madigan's longtime political ally. So she is the chair of the Rules Committee, and the Rules Committee dictates the process through which the new map is drafted. Uh, she's also a member of the Black Caucus. And so amongst the more veteran members of the Latino Caucus, right, folks who had been there for two terms or more, there was a feeling that we were going to get a raw deal. And kind of the, the oral history that I'm told is that every time there's been redistricting, the Latino community has gotten a raw deal, right? That they have been left behind, uh, that Latino uh, population has been used to pack wards. Um, and so there really seemed a sense that, all right, we've got to be united, we've got to come together uh, to get uh, a fair map. And so in order for us to get a fair map, where we started as a Latino caucus was the US census data, which is what we're legally mandated to start with. To look at the census data and say, all right, where has the population shifted? Where has it increased? Where has it decreased? How can we ensure that we're following the Voting Rights Act, uh, the Civil Rights Act? How can we ensure that we're following the US Constitution to ensure that everyone has fair representation on the Chicago City Council? Uh, and through because, that- By the way, sorry, just to stop you, the Latino population of the city as of the 2020 census has increased quite a bit. Yes. Uh, it's up by 5%. Uh, yes. Compared to the last sentence. So and Chicago is now basic 29.9, basically 30% Latino. Exactly. And any demographer will tell you the Latino population, given that it's younger, given that it's heavily immigrant, is oftentimes much harder to count. So we think that's an undercount. We think that the Latino population is actually bigger than that. Um, and so we said, let's start with the U.S. Census data. And what we found was that the Latino population on the northwest side uh, had shifted west. Um, so Belmont Cragen had become more Latino, uh, Dunning had become more Latino, along Grand, going west towards Central, areas that are traditionally thought of the west side, that are traditionally more heavily black. Those areas had become increasingly Latino, and we had entire census blocks where now the majority was Latino. Uh, the same exact thing happened on the south side, right? You had areas like Chicago Lawn where, you know, traditionally you had um, uh, a less Latino population, you now had a more Latino population growing. And the man of the hour is here, Alderman Rod Sawyer. Let's give him a uh, hand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was just sharing, uh, Rod, with them kind of the, the genesis of the Chicago coalition map. So we started with that census data, and we said, all right, how do we make sure that we have a map that reflects the census data that's fair to everyone? Uh, how do we ensure a map that is drawn with clear, straight lines? And how do we ensure a map that um, has uh, districts that are contiguous and compact, that are, you know, keep neighborhoods together? Um, and I'm really proud of the map uh, that we came up with. We had stakeholder meetings with community groups. Uh, we had stakeholder meetings with residents. Uh, we paid a lot of close attention to what the testimony was at the Rules Committee. Uh, and we were the only city council-produced map that was publicly produced uh, 
and released to the public prior to the December 1st deadline, a long time before the December 1st deadline. So we released that map to the public. We that got was before you merged with the Chicago with the, the People's Coalition. Yes, yes. Okay. So we released that map to the public, uh, and we got additional feedback, and then we made changes to that map again based upon that feedback. Um, the December first, because the city council had to pass a map by December first, otherwise at that point you can go to a referendum. The city council was not able to reach a compromise by December first, uh, and at that point then. Uh, it became clear that we were going to need to grow our coalition, right? To get a map that was fair, to get a map that followed the U.S. Census data, that had districts that were contiguous and compact. And so uh, we joined up with uh, the Chicago Redistricting Advisory Committee, which was a grassroots effort put together by Change Illinois, who's a group that's been fighting for fair maps for a very long time. Uh, and we made additional changes to the coalition map to bring it more in line with their process. And that's how we landed at the People's Coalition Map. All right. Well, uh, Rod, thank you for joining us. Uh, Sixth Ward Alderman Roderick Sawyer. The first question we were asking, basically, is to tell us a little bit of an origin story about where the map you're supporting came from. So uh, just to go back real quick. So the Chicago United map, a.k.a. the Black Caucus map, a.k.a. the Rules Committee map, and derogatorily called the Madigan map. We'll get to that also later. So again, some key features, there's 16 majority black wards and one plur pl plurality black ward, uh, just like the other map. There are 14 majority Latino wards, so one less than the other one. Uh, there's an, also a new majority Asian 11th ward, like the other map, and there are now 34 aldermen on board. Uh, there's basically one alderman who's not declared where he stands on any of this, which is Ed, who's Ed Burke. Uh, who's got a lot of other problems right now, uh, and I suppose doesn't want to lend his name to either of these proposals. So Rod, uh, walk us through a little bit about the origin story of this map. How did this particular map come into being? Why does it look the way it does? Certainly, and, and good afternoon. I'm sorry, apologize for being a little tardy today. I just came from my relative's funeral and it was in Joliet, and traffic was a little more challenging than I expected it to be, so I apologize for being late. But um, I want to thank for you for having me here today. Uh, the origin of the map started back last summer when we got together, uh, and we got together originally as the members of the Black Caucus. Uh, the 20 members, uh, we got together, we started looking at boundaries, started looking at the numbers. Soon the numbers became available from the United States Census, and we started uh, engaging with our cartographer and giving us an idea of what we can look like and how we can be as fair as possible and inclusive as possible. So we went through the first iteration and we came up with ideas. And what I will say about this, and I think this was something that's maybe a slight on both of our parts, both coalitions, we probably should have gotten together back in the summertime uh, when the numbers first came out. For whatever reason, we, uh, neither one of us did that. And I, I kind of own a part of that, just me personally. But I think that was something we both you know, I think we talked about it. Carlos and I talk a lot. I, I enjoy talking to Carlos. We have a really good time uh, discussing things. But we talked about that originally, that we should have gotten together maybe in September and started working on maps together. But once we got the room together and got uh, the, the map room downtown together, uh, we started our process, uh, which we had already had begun maybe a few weeks prior to that. And we did that out at my office. We did, because I had the big screen and we had the, the 
capabilities to get that done. So we were working before we got a place. So once we got there, we engaged with everyone. All 50 aldermen were available to come into the map, draw their lines, and we tried to make this process as inclusive as possible. So let me just interrupt for a Certainly. second. Before you, before you came, uh, Ben was explaining that back in the day, the way it worked was that each individual alderman got called into this room, mm -hmm. and they got to see what their ward would look like and make adjustments to the to the borders in whatever way they wanted to is this what you're is no, this what no. you guys were doing no we were not doing right. that's what, not what, what we were doing what were you doing the, the 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 best way that i can explain it is we have groups of aldermen in areas let's say for the south quadrant all the aldermen would be together and they would look at the the the, the numbers we look at the numbers how they were we would look then at our maps we then started discussing communities of interest, how we wanted the communities to stay together and still be maintained, and also looking at numbers. We're looking at, you know, numbers for African Americans. We're looking at numbers for Hispanics. We want to make sure our map, you know, the, the map, at this time we weren't even talking about one map or another map, we are just talking about the map, making sure that we had an Asian ward, an Asian majority ward. We want to make sure that we had as many Latino wards as possible considering the, the numbers based on the uh, general overall increase in numbers. So we got everyone together that was willing to come in the room. I was not present at all members' meetings, so I don't know what happened in the north side where Carlos might have been. I, I wasn't familiar with the details of what happened when he was in the room. But what I will say, when we were in the room on the south end, and uh, I've actually participated in a few of the west end just as a listening, uh, not, not actively participating, but being there just wanted to see what was going on, to see how the process ran. And everybody that was in there was, you know, letting people know that I need to stay this community together because this community, you know, is working on things. We want to make sure they're in one part. Uh, I personally want to make sure that my Chatham area was in one piece because uh, it did get bifurcated a little bit in the last remap 10 years ago. Uh, I want to make sure that Park Manor stayed the same. I, ha I have a portion of Inglewood, which I know people like to talk about Inglewood being in one ward, and we can, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that during the course of the day. But we have from seven aldermen to five aldermen that were in Inglewood now. So we, we cut two aldermen out, and it still had five individuals, which we actually worked well together. So we were working on these things and having people come in. And as Carlos said, uh, when we started to negotiate, I guess in earnest, between the, the two groups, and, and, and I really have to take back, I really have to take an offense to the Madigan map or the Casper map because I will say, as far as I'm concerned, they had no role to play in determining my boundaries or none of my colleagues' boundaries on the south side or the west side. Um, he's our lawyer, uh, the lawyer chosen by the Rules Committee, and he argues points, and I know there might have been some, some back and forth with some individual members, but he we'll had no draw. no, we get back yeah. to that. But going forward, uh, we, we worked on negotiating with, with the Latino Caucus, and I think we were pretty much, our maps are not uh, really that far apart, and the only criticism, and this is constructive criticism, the only criticism that I would have is that on the coalition map, uh, we didn't get any input in the coalition map as far as uh, African -Amer American members of the city council. Uh, we were not talked to, once we saw the map, it was what the map was. Uh, on the alternative, on the Chicago United map, everybody had the opportunity to draw on the map. Even the people that are not with us on this map 
have drawn on the Chicago United map. And matter of fact, a lot of them have drawn wards either as good, and even a couple of occasions I've talked to individuals that said their map is probably better on the Chicago United map. They're not going to divulge themselves, but a couple of them said their maps are actually better in the Chicago United map than it is on the coalition map because they were able to draw their own lines and just figure out what's best for their individual communities. So that's where we were, and then obviously I think Carlos accurately described when I walked in, he was talking about the timeline, December 2nd, we could not come to an agreement. But I will say, to Carlos's benefit and a few others, we always continue to talk. We continue to talk, we continue to just discuss things that, you know, how can we get to a, a space where we can all agree? Uh, and and it, it was more of that kind of level-headedness, and I think that we're, where we are now, where um, I, I tried to talk to my, my chairs today, uh, Michelle, and, but I, I, like I said, I was at a funeral, so I really didn't get a chance to speak to anyone. I know they're continuing to talk and trying to move forward toward us getting a compromise. All right, just want to make a, a little footnote there. The uh, Casper uh, that Rod alluded to is Michael Casper, uh, who is a prominent lawyer. Uh, and for years was Michael Joseph Madigan's lawyer of choice for the Democratic uh, Party. And uh, he's pretty good, I gotta give the devil his due, uh, at kicking people off the ballot. Uh, he's not as great as he thinks he is, because you know, sometimes he's got the advantage, it's just me talking, I think he's got the home court advantage. Rod's a basketball fan, he knows what I'm talking about. The refs. <laughs> yeah, so he's good, but you know, there's, there's a lot of good election lawyers out there. Uh, and so, uh, so it was, it's his presence uh, as I guess you call him the cartographer for uh, this map that got the map labeled the Michael Joseph Madigan map because for many years uh, he was Michael Joseph Madigan's. Well, again, election. he was not the cartographer. Yeah, I was going to ask. Ed is our cartographer. Who is the cartographer? Ed Sarpolis is our cartographer. And I think. Uh, so Ed was for the Black Caucus. Yes, and you're, uh, and then Frank Calabrese was for the right. Latino Caucus. But for the Rules Committee map, uh, the attorney is uh, Michael Casper. And the cartographers Ann, Ann Schaefer, Ann Schaefer, Ann Schaefer, who is also a former Madigan employee. Okay. Wait a second, but isn't there isn't wasn't uh, Victor Reyes also involved in the Latino Caucus map? So Victor Reyes is one of five attorneys that assisted with the Latino Caucus map. Um, he has long-standing relationships with about half of the Latino Caucus. The Latino Caucus is split in half right now. We have the Progressive Wing, myself, Andre Vasquez. Rosana Rodriguez, Mike Rodriguez, um, so many Rodriguez's, and uh, Byron Sigtra Lopez. Yes, um, and then we have uh, the Mod Squad, or the more conservative squad. Um, there is a Mod Squad in Springfield. I'll, we can talk about that later. Uh, have me on the show. I got lots to say about it. Um, but uh, you know, we have Gil Viegas, we have uh, Ariel Robueras, we have Felix Cardona, uh, and then we also um, have Maldonado and a few others. So. Uh, oh, Savannah Tabars. So, um, and Raymond Lopez is a, is a, is technically a member of the Latino Caucus. He stopped caucusing with us formally, although he rejoined to caucus with us on the map. But he stopped caucusing with us formally at the beginning of this term because I had worked against his reelection, which is a whole other story. Wow. But um, <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you my stories. Um, so, so, so. Um, but, but the point of that is, is uh, in terms of Victor Reyes, so 
he was one of five attorneys. He has longstanding relationships with about half of the Latino caucus. Uh, and he has also been previously involved in previous map making processes. So I will say while I shared nothing in terms of values with him, uh, while we have been at odds many times, I do appreciate the expertise that he brought uh, in terms of understanding previous map making processes to kind of inform what a current map making process and what the strategy could look around that. Um, but you know, I think we do this thing in Chicago where we are really used to bad campaigning, um, where we kind of just say, well, like, that's the worst person in the world, and that's the worst person in the world, and who do you hate more, right? And so, you know, um, we can say, well, that's the Madigan map, you know, that's the Burke map, that's the Victor Reyes map. Can we just talk about the maps? Can we talk about what they do to our communities? Can we talk about the way that they impact neighborhood boundaries? Can we talk about the data? Can we talk about the stories of how individuals and how neighborhoods will be impacted? And I think that when you look at the data, I think that when, when you look at the way in which different communities will be impacted by either map, I think hands down, full stop, it is clear that the Chicago Coalition map is the better of the two maps. So we definitely are going to talk about that, and we have plenty of questions about that as well. But I just want to bookend this part of the conversation since Rod explained why your map is getting accused of being a quote-unquote Madigan map. Mm -hmm. You've talked about these other connections with these Madigan lawyers. Why are you guys being accused of being mm -hmm. the Ed Burke map? Yeah, so um, basically... That was Mike Casper. He put together a press conference. So again, I think it goes back to the old school Madigan way of doing politics, which is like you come up with the thing that everybody hates or you come up with something that you know people don't like, then you try and associate your opponent with that thing. When Will Gazzardi was running against Tony Berrios, uh, he wrote an article when he was a college student where he talked about uh, how um, double jeopardy was connected to uh, being a sex offender on a registry and kind of thinking through, like, is this problematic? And Mike Madigan's team that was supporting Tony Berrios decided that they were going to say that essentially uh, Will Gazzardi wanted you to live next to child rapists and that Will Gazzardi was like a friend of child rapists. And they literally sent dozens and dozens of mailers where they actually photoshopped Will Gazzardi like reaching over a little girl's shoulder. Um, and so that's what they do. And the thing is, is that that really cheap campaigning um, works when you have all the money in the race. Right? If you could be running against the best candidate with the most credentials, who's a good government person, but if the other side has all the money, then they can just bury you with a deluge of, of mail. But what was the initial thread they so I'm, to I'm, connect I'm you getting to there. So, so basically, it's a bunch of bunk. That's what I'm saying. It's total nonsense that we are the Ed Burke map, but because they know that Ed Burke is disliked, they host this press conference, and I gotta say, folks, I'm sad that Alderman Wagespach and that Alderman Michelle Smith allowed themselves to be used in this way, but they went out there and said a ton of nonsense about how our map was the Ed Burke map. The reality is, is that the Rules Committee map maps out the person who beat Ed Burke in 2020 for the Democratic Committee man position. It maps out Aaron Ortiz. What a gift to Ed Burke. Right? So if you want to say objectively what is the Ed Burke map, it is the Chicago United map. It's the Rules Committee map. By the way, Chicago United map, come, so it's the come proposal. So the <laughs> I know I'm a well, child. I will say child. that we got cursed out by Ed Burke after he saw our map as well. So he was not any fan of our map as well right. either. So. so so there's one like little tiny precinct that Ed Burke won. That precinct stays in Ed Burke's ward in the Chicago United Rules Committee map. 
They map out uh, Ed Burke's um, opponent that beat him in 2020. Uh, and then in addition to that, I know for a fact, because I was privy to these statements, Michelle Harris on multiple occasions, who was the head of the Rules Committee process, said very early on that she was gonna give Ed Burke everything that he wanted because of seniority. She told that to members of the Latino caucus was I was in the room. Now later on, Mayor Lightfoot came out and said that she would veto and oppose any map that helped Ed Burke. And at that point in time, that's when they changed the boundaries. But they changed it to map out most of Ed Burke's ward but surprise, surprise, they mapped out all of the areas that he lost. And the only part that they kept in the ward was the area that he won, and then they also mapped out his opponent. So I think objectively, if you have to say which map is the Ed Burke map, certainly the Rules Committee map is better for Ed Burke. Folks, this is I a just master class just... in political communication. Man, I've <laughs> well, asked you three again, times I, I... now, and you're still not answering the wait, question. Wait, but what's the question? You're asking, so can you? So the question yeah. is, okay, you laid out this whole thing about how their strategy is to take some grain of something relevant and then make it into Will Gazzardi wants pedophiles to live next door yes, to you, all right? Yeah, yeah. So what is the grain on which, that so, this, what is the seed yes. <laughs> on which the Ed Burke S accusation grows? So the grain down? is that they claim that they map out more of Ed Burke's ward. That this map. That the Rules Committee map. No, that the Rules Committee map removes more of the historic 14th Ward. Than you guys do. Than and we do. And therefore, you guys are the Ed Burke map. Right, but, okay. but we left in areas that Ed Burke lost. We left in Ed Burke's opponent. They mapped out areas that Ed Burke lost. They mapped out Ed Burke's opponent. All right, okay. now we're all on the same page. We're all on the same All right, and, the, and you know what? The, the biggest insult, I say this on the show all the time because I love this theme. The biggest insult is to the people on the Southwest side because... What the underlying assumption is that there's parts of the Southwest side that are so loyal to Ed Burke after all this time that they would be to his advantage to have them in his ward. That is really degrading people in the South. And I always challenge them, show me those precincts. You could make a whole map of people who would still stay loyal. Look, Rod's like, yeah, you could probably could. <laughs> no, I guess... Again, I, I hope that we're gonna waste all our time talking about yeah, Ed Burke and, and his <laughs> small ward in the 14th Ward, which is a great place, but uh, interesting people there. And I know that if Aaron Ortiz runs, he probably will win. Uh, the ward is some high 80% uh, Latino, and uh, if if and when I'm assuming Aaron Ortiz will run, I'm sure he'll put up a a very credible no, but campaign. you know, Rod, I, I say this all the time, and then these uh, guys well, in the Southwest side they go, "Well, Ben, you don't know how many people Ed Burke's got jobs for." I'm like, "Does he's got like fifty thousand? Is that how many?" Well, don't be surprised; it's not that far <laughs> off. But because I've known Ed Burke since I was a child, but you know, the ward is, is has a high Latino population. The part that I think he was trying to save was that really small part. Is it Garfield Ridge, if I remember correctly? Yeah, I know. Garfield but Ridge he wasn't going to get him real. Where real most like of the it. votes. <laughs> That he got, his, yes. Historically come from, yeah. All right, so let, let me ask you this question. Uh, and by the way, Ed Burke's no friend of the Sawyer family. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, yeah. Uh, Not a political friend. Yes, yeah, what I mean. Um, so... Uh, the, I do have stories as well. Okay, I, can we get, lubricate this guy a little bit so we get those... Uh, so, Rod, the critique I've heard, and Carlos has been on my show and has said this, uh, Sugars has been on my show and has said this, that your map, not literally yours, but the map that you support, uh, is really undercuts the uh, Latino population in the city of Chicago and sacrifices them to preserve the incumbency of black aldermen. 
and that is the sort of the nub of this, that uh, when this uh, contentious issue arose. So uh, deal with that uh, accusation. Well, I, I, one, I do not support that accusation. I think that we were in the room and we, we dealt uh, what was best for the majority of the citizens of the city of Chicago. And we thought when we came up with the idea, which is now the Chicago United map, that this was uh, best for the majority of citizens of Chicago. We, we worked with everybody that wanted to come into the room. We have 34 out of the 50 aldermen signing on to our map. Uh, we know maps are not perfect. I was here 10 years ago, you know, and is this a podcast? If, if I said something inappropriate with that? Uh, uh, well, you're, it's my podcast, and so you're allowed to swear. So okay, you say I, you want to say. I, I, hope, I hope I don't offend anybody here, but, you know, on the, 10 years ago, I got shitted on. You know, I got, I was, ele- I was literally the 50th alderman elected 10 years ago, and I was the last man able to select, and I kind of got what was left over. I'll be honest, when I talked to the, at the 17th Ward Alderman at the time, who, by the way, put David Moore's house in my ward, which I have since given him back in this map, in this map, um, she, I told her, just give me what you don't want. And she, boy, did she do that. You know, and she did give me you know, the areas that I spent the last 10 years trying to resurrect and, and to improve. And we've done a lot. We've done a lot of great work over there, but it was challenging. But being that 50th person on the, on the rung, I, I understood, and, I, and I'm going to be honest with you, I did not vote for the uh, map 10 years ago because of something that happened the day before the, maps, uh, the vote came out. You know, my war changed again, even though what we call our maps being locked. And, and I, 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 I had a hard lesson, so I had a very enlightening lesson about seniority and, and politics. So I... I do understand that, but I don't subscribe to it 100%. I think seniority does play a part. They have, you know, we, we give our senior members some latitude, but not 100% total, whatever they want, they get. I don't believe in that either. I believe in making the accommodations for our senior members uh, because they are senior members, but that does not give them carte blanche to do whatever they want to do. So when we dived into our map, I think that we worked with a lot of of our colleagues on the other side of the aisle. A lot of them came into the room multiple occasions and, and drew their maps the way they saw fit, and it worked. And I, I think that the result is that we got a fair map. Now, one of the things I know we always talk about is the data. You know, and, and sometimes the data gets skewered a little bit. Um, because the, for example, let's take the Latino population is about 30% of the population right about now. So if you're going to argue that if the Latino population is 30%, you know, based on our 50 wards, I mean, they should have 15 wards. You know, that's simple math. If we take that same simple math with the Asian population, which is about 6.5% of the population, you know, they should have three wards. And we're fighting to get them one because of the same reason that we can't always get, you know, all the things that we want out of this situation because... They're not as, I mean, they're just not living as compactly as African Americans are. Look, but. Like, let, me, well, let me just say this one thing because I have, let me see, there are one, two, three, four, maybe five, four, at least four, maybe five wards on the, on the, on the south side that are at least 90% black population right now. 
You know, I don't think there are that many wards, Hispanic wards, that are, have that high population. I think, actually, the highest, I think, are represented by two white individuals. I think Alderman Burke and Alderman Quinn have, and, and Alderman Rodriguez might have the highest, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But they have the highest concentration of Latino population. And to the Latinos' credit, they're moving a lot of other different places. They're not staying in Pilsen. They're not just staying in Humboldt Park. They're not just staying in Little Village. They're moving. I have a lot, a lot of Latinos are living in Inglewood now. Latinos are living uh, in Chatham now. Like they're moving. You know, people are moving all around. Black people kind of stay put. You know, we, we're for the most part staying in the South Side or the West Side, and I think that's where the compactness makes a difference. Can I so do a direct response? Can I just ask sure. a question before you do, Carlos? So you mentioned at the beginning of answering this question that you tr you you really try to work in the best interest of the people of Chicago. Yes. How is it in the best interest of the people who live in Inglewood that they are still split up between four different wards? I can definitely answer that for you. And, and for those that don't know Inglewood, I mean, I, I live three blocks from Inglewood. I live right down the street from Inglewood. And I'm in Inglewood every single day. Inglewood has more vacant lots than any other ward, uh, any other community in the city of Chicago. And now Carlos can appreciate this as, as an alderman. Imagine having upwards of 4,000 vacant lots in your community, and you want to put that in one ward. What is your summer going to look like? It's going to be a catastrophe because they can't handle, you're not going to get, you get the same resources. I get the same resources as Carlos as get them for any, uh, every other ward in the city of Chicago. There is no way possible they can handle maintaining that ward if it was just in one ward with the resources that we currently have. It just cannot work. That alderman would change every four years. That person would not be elected because they will be criticizing and cajoled and excoriated based on them, their inability to get their area maintained and cleaned and cut. It cannot happen. Us, we call ourselves the Inglewood Five. You know, I'm Jackie. Stephanie is uh, <laughs> Janet, and we, we have names for ourselves, but it's fun. But, but we work really well together, and we're able to chop up that into pieces so that we can all manage some of those pieces right now. Now, I hope there's come, going to come a time where once we can get everything regulated and get everything to where it should be, where that could happen. But right now, if it's done, it would be tragic. Carlos, you wanted to respond? Yeah. So first, I want to start by saying that I love Alderman Rod Sawyer. I will say that in terms of him being a committee chair, he is the most willing to be independent. He's the most willing to buck the mayor and say, I'm going to do what needs to be done with the Health and Human Relations Committee. Now, that said, um, you know, I, I, just, I just really have to reject both claims that you made right now. You know, I would accept your claim that, you know, Yes, the Latino population has grown, but there's no way that we can get to 15 majority Latino wards because the population is just not compact enough. I would believe that if we hadn't drawn a map that was 16 majority black wards, 15 majority Latino wards, and is rated more compact by uh, the, the, the methodology that's used to map uh, which uh, map is more compact. So there's two tests that are done, and I'm gonna butcher these, the Polsby-Popper test, and the REAC, REAC, does anyone know how you pronounce that? So these are two tests. So 
Uh, Change Illinois, the Chicago uh, Advisory Redistricting Committee, paid a uh, redistricting expert, a professor from the University of Michigan, to do an analysis of uh, the three maps, meaning the current City of Chicago map, the Rules Committee map, and the Coalition map. And what they found was that on both tests, the Coalition map ranks as more compact. It ranks as more compact than the existing City of Chicago map that was done in 2010, and it ranks as more compact than the Rules Committee proposal. The Rules Committee proposal ranks as less compact than not only the coalition map, but it's less compact than the existing City of Chicago map. That means it's worse. That means it's work moving in the opposite direction. Rather than moving towards more contiguous and compact districts, right, where you have clear straight lines that bring communities together, it's moving in the opposite direction. It's worse than the current map that so many people have complaints about. So I would accept your argument that, you know, there's just no way the Latino population isn't there. They're not compact enough. I would accept that if the fact weren't that we had drawn the map that creates 15 compact majority uh, Latino districts. Now for your second claim, I think that one could argue that splitting up all those empty lots, splitting up all the issues that exist in Enkelwood makes it easier for those issues to be ignored. And I think that's why consistently communities that have been sliced and diced, who have suffered under having to know which alderman do we go to, which alderman is our champion, uh, which alderman really understands what are the things that we're facing in our community, because that's what we've consistently heard as we go out and engage the community on this process. They overwhelmingly want to be in one ward. It's why the rich residents of Lincoln Park want to be in one ward. Uh, it's why you know people in West Town want to be in one ward. And it's why people in Englewood who participate in the Chicago Redistricting Advisory Committee, which had dozens of community meetings, it's why the residents of Englewood that participated in this process said, we want to be brought together in fewer wards. So I, I don't think it's necessarily an issue of, you know, there's just, you know, if, if an alderman has 4,000 lots in their ward, they're just not going to be able to deal with that. Well, that's a citywide issue, right? If we as a city know that there's 4,000 empty lots in Englewood, then through an equity lens, we need to make sure that Englewood has the resources that it needs to be able to thrive. And I, and I think it becomes easier for four different aldermen or six different aldermen to ignore that, to say, that's just one little tiny sliver of my ward, as opposed to if you have one alderman that says, this is my cause now. I'm gonna go to City Hall every single day. I'm gonna call the mayor every single day and say, I need the resources for my community to take care of these lots. Well, a couple of things, and, and I, I respect that, and, and I, I differ a little bit because in that equity lens, it's nice when you look at things in a flowery type of lens and, and just says, in a wonderful space, we can do these things. But in reality, uh, let's talk about Inglewood, for example. I think it benefits us currently because what we spend, what Alderman Coleman spends and invests in, what Alderman Lopez, Moore, and Taylor invest in collectively far outweighs what any one alderman can do individually. So we're, and we're all putting in the work right now in Inglewood. That's why I said it's different from 10 years ago when, I was, when we had six or seven aldermen that were in Inglewood, and we did not talk to one another. We were not working together. We were not pooling our resources and making sure that the entirety of Inglewood was handled like we are right now. And maybe that's just because we have a different set of people. Uh, everyone is new now. Everyone is, is, is working collaboratively together. And we're getting it done. We're knocking those numbers down. We're getting those lots cut and clean. We're getting things done. And sometimes, and we all work together. You know, we work together as far as, you know, we don't work on our ward boundaries. We work on Inglewood, for example, when we're working on Inglewood issues. Now, relating to the, we talked about one of the, I'm sorry. The, uh, you can't draw 15 compact yeah. Latino ones. Well, and, and again, going back to what I stated originally, the, the issue was that you can draw 15 wards 
if you don't talk to the black aldermen as part of the process. You know, hell, we can draw 19 wards if we didn't talk to anybody else and just drew what we wanted to draw. You know, in this instance, uh, the only, like I said, the only criticism I have with the, the uh, coalition map, not with the individuals, but with the map itself, is that we're, we were not even asked. My ward is, is horrible in the coalition map. You know, it, it breaks up our, it does exactly what you're saying not gonna do. It breaks up our communities. It breaks up, you know, it breaks up Greater Grand Crossing. We breaks up Chatham. It breaks up Auburn Gresham. It breaks up Inglewood. You know, these are the things that this map does to our, you know, on our side that I look at personally. For, and, and, and it's also a fallacy to say that most communities are in one ward. Most communities are, you know, Chatham, Grand Crossing, Auburn Gresham, Grand Boulevard. Uh, I'm just naming the South Side, the ones I know better. They're all Hyde Park. They're all in multiple wards. Every single one of those are in multiple wards. Avalon Park, you know, they're all in multiple wards. And, you know, it can work if the people that comprise those areas work together. They don't work if they don't talk. Well, yeah, the uh, community boundaries are themselves arbitrarily drawn. So I don't want to go down this road. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody drew Englewood, the Englewood that exists. I think it was Cartago Back in University of Chicago. Yeah, and then yeah. Yeah, the but, they, but they asked people, they said, what community do you live in? Yeah. And based upon what people responded at that point in time, uh, and I think when you go out into a neighborhood, you see that generally folks still adhere to those community boundaries. But really quickly, sure. the People's Coalition map, in terms of the Latino caucus-led process, we did meet with 35 aldermen. Um, and there are members of the Black Caucus who privately have told us that they prefer their map on the People's Coalition map. So I think this argument that you know it was not formed with input, there were many members of the Black Caucus that did secretly map with the Latino caucus. Um, and then there were also members of the Latino caucus that did not map with the rules committee at all and just said, hey, this is what I've mapped with my immediate neighbors. Let me submit that data. Let me submit that information to the rules committee map. So I think on both maps, you know, there were aldermen that were not consulted, um, but definitely there were aldermen from all caucuses, from all different parts of the city that were consulted for both maps. All right, now let me uh, get to this question. I got an eye to the clock because we definitely want to bring, uh, yeah. the, the audience knows wants to ask questions. So um, so for both of you, it's a straight yes or no. Are you confident uh, that you could win election in the map that they drew? And are you confident that you could win election in the map that they drew? If let's say if the voters win against you, and you had to live under the boundaries of his map and vice versa. No one's going to answer no to that question. Well, good, <laughs> because, because that, well, if you were honest, uh, but because uh, then, then we get into this question. So after if I established that you're not doing this for personal reasons, that you're confident you can win under his map, give your best argument for why voters citywide should vote for your map and vice versa, like how is it beneficial? If you once you remove your parochial interest by saying, oh, I could win under his map, and once you've removed your parochial interest by saying, yes, I can win under his map, then what's, why is it in the best interest of the city of Chicago to vote for your map and it, then your map? Go just ahead. Just before you answer, to add, so this referendum, unless eight of you all just decide to the eight more people decide to join your camp before May 19th, this referendum is happening. 
So, and on the ballot, they're not going to print the images of the maps. I heard from the Chicago Board of Elections right. last week that there was not going to be an image. Nor uh, names. They will not be printing the names of they're who supports the names, them. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, the names of people supporting, but not our. Not the, yeah, not the titles of the maps, but exactly. the aldermen who support each that's map right. will be printed on the ballot, and that's what each voter is going to have to decide. Am I going to go with these 15 folks or these 34 folks? So now to Ben's question, how how are you going to what do you got what do you have to say to that voter? Hello. Um, <laughs> so I, I think the data speaks for itself, right? Both maps have 16 majority black wards. Um, you know, the Latino Caucus map, the People's Coalition map, has 15 majority Latino wards, uh, which reflects the growth in the Latino population and one Asian, Ameri uh, one Asian uh, American majority ward. Uh, the Black Caucus map has 16 black wards, 14 Latino wards, one Asian American uh, ward. But I think that when you look at the objective metrics that are used by map experts to judge a map, Hands down, it's so very clear. If you look at the Polsby Popper tests, the coalition map creates more compact, more contiguous districts than uh, the Rules Committee map and then the existing map. Um, I think that you know we also can look at what was prioritized. And again, the People's Coalition map was the only map that was released to the public prior to the December 1st deadline that consistently changes have been made to the map in line with the feedback that we received from the public. Um, we did not see the Rules Committee map until December 1st when they released a little tiny like PDF that no one could tell what it was. I don't know if any of you remember seeing that in the news where people were holding up PDF printouts and being like, this is the map. Um, and I think the reason why is because it's just a map that no one can be proud of. It's a map that is not fair to Chicago. Every single ward on the south side under the Rules Committee map has 52,000 residents. Every single ward on the north side has 57,000 residents. Don't tell me that's fair. Right, when every single ward on one side of the city has 5,000 more residents on average than the south side. That means that you're gonna get less resources, and that means that communities like the ones that I represent, right, Hermosa, which has so many working poor people who were adversely impacted by COVID-19 are gonna get less resources than people in Beverly, um, where uh, you know the alderman there represents lots of folks with, with many more resources. Additionally, there's a grassroots community group called Northwest Side United, they did an objective analysis of the map and they found that in the Rules Committee map, no fewer than seven challengers were mapped out. They also looked at the coalition map, the Latino Caucus map, and they said that it does not have the same pattern of gerrymandering. So in the 45th Ward, where that alderman is under FBI investigation, what does the Rules Committee map does? Maps her out. In the 14th Ward, where Ed Burke is under, under indictment, what does the Rules Committee map does? It maps him out. And then the changes that were done most recently to the Rules Committee map were just punitive, were to turn the screws on people. So for example, the 10th Ward, they took Steelworkers Park, they took the park that Sue Garza, whose father was a labor leader in the, in the, the Steelworkers movement, they took that park out of her ward. No one lives there. They didn't have to do that. That park is clearly very much part of the Southeast side. They took that out of that ward to punish her, to say, because you stood against the Rules Committee map, we're gonna punish you, we're gonna embarrass you, we're gonna take this out of your community. Same thing happened in the 13th ward. So Marty Quinn is uh, Mike Madigan's alderman. Uh, and guess where the uh, Midway Airport moves? It moves from the 23rd Ward, again, no one lives there, to the 13th Ward, right, to reward the Madigan organization, to make sure that Marty Quinn, as the connected, uh, you know, powerful alderman down there, has even more control over contracts going through Midway Airport. So to me, it's like, is that a map that we want to be proud of? 
No, we want a map that's fair to everyone. We want a map that has clear, straight lines. And objectively, the map that has clear, straight lines, the map that keeps communities together, the map that prioritizes keeping communities whole and following the US Census data over political gerrymandering, full stop, is the coalition map. All the right, numbers so tell that story. We're gonna, okay, we're gonna give you, Rod, mm -hmm. we're gonna give you equally three minutes to make I'll your pitch. I'll do it in less, but okay. Uh, and it's, I mean, you got 34 people who are apparently proud to stand behind this map, but why should that voter go with you guys? Well, uh, to answer the first question, yes. And uh, get to the meat of the situation. Um, I, I respectfully disagree with my friend Carlos here today. Uh, we think that our map adequately reflects the interests of the majority of citizens of Chicago. We kept our map open because we continued to want solicit input. We kept, continued to leave it open after December 1st. The map room stayed open. We encouraged people to come and continue to draw maps so that we can get the information that was necessary from those that did not want or refused to draw or just felt it was not in their interest to draw. We wanted their information because I don't know what you may like on the north side. I may not know 35th Ward. I definitely don't know the 35th Ward as well as my friend Carlos does. Uh, but we wanted the input from these individuals. We kept it open because we kept asking, come in the map. Come draw your line so we can see what we can do. Uh, it was never a process where we were excluding anyone. We were just keeping the process open so that we encourage people to continue to come into the map room. Let's go past the line. Let's go to overtime. Let's work this out. Let's draw your line so we can understand where you, where your communities of interest lie, where we can have areas that are staying together that they could be compact. And by the way, you can look between the north. If you look about halfway map, look at the size of the wards on the south side and look at the size of the wards on the north side. The north side is primarily vertical, as you all well know, those that, are, that live on the north side. The wards are smaller. We can have the same, we have this same opposite argument during budget time because we do get the same resources as a, a 48th ward, which is relatively small in, in, in geography. And you look at like the 9th ward, which is huge, they get the same amount of money. You know, so we have to deal with our streets, our curbs, our gutters, out of our menu with the same amount of money that the, I'm just throwing the 48th ward as an example, because it's small, uh, as the 48th ward does. So, I mean, there's all kinds of in inherent inequities in what we do. And we try to work them out as best we can. We have to do it in an equity lens, and I agree with Carlos in that regard. And I think that we both try to do that. I know he and I both do. And you know, sometimes it's just a level of getting more people to think in that vein and making sure that we do what's right. And I think that we've done that with our map. I think our map satisfies all those criteria, keeping communities of interest together, making sure that you're well represented. And I, don't, I have no idea about you know, who lives where. Uh, I remember 10 years ago, people had to tell me where opponents live because I, I didn't know, I didn't care. Because going back to that first question, I'm going to win wherever I'm going to be placed. So, hell, if they place me in 35, I'm going to get Carlos to run for his one. <laughs> so let's that would be a crazy map. But to answer your first question, yes. Yes, I'm confident better, better that I can win in both. Uh, yeah. And All I right, just want to, we're, we're open to the audience. I just got to make a quick correction uh, to something that uh, uh, Mr. Sawyer said. Rod, I love you dearly, but it is not fair. You know where I'm going. It's not equal the way they distribute goods in this city. No, the TIF not. program is 
slayed it in well, you favor of. Uh, trust me, I've talked about you with Tim. <laughs> you know, I'm not. A, I'm not a. You know, I won't get into that because people will get on me about this. But I'm not a fan of, of how the TIF program is administered currently. Yeah, it's and so this particular award got 1.3 billion dollars in a TIF deal for Lincoln Yard. 1.3 billion, and Englewood got 10.7 million for Whole Foods. And Mayor Rahm was like, oh, so proud of that. 10.7 million to 1.3 billion, and I rest my case. Uh, where is uh, Tim? Tim, okay, he gets the first question, Frank, because he yeah. has a question he's dying to ask. Uh, I, I, I was gonna do it, but I'm here to answer if you guys have questions. Um. So, no, I will ask you that question, though, speaking about that, is that why does the second ward, according to the Latino caucus map, have to remain in Alderman Hopkins' hands? There, no one lives here. So if you have the 56 or 57,000 person ward, Nobody lives here. Maybe in five years when they build the condos, there'll be people that live here. So traditionally, this was part of the 32nd ward, and the ward could just move two blocks south, and it would be part of the 32nd ward. But on, I think, your map, you still have Alderman Hopkins, the second ward, goes from um, Oak Street Beach, Gibson Steakhouse, the Gold Coast, and runs down North Avenue, and then it opens up over here in this Lincoln Yards development. He's the only alderman that's been involved in all this, so why wouldn't you make this part of the 43rd, part of the 32nd? Why wouldn't this be part of splitting this up to make more aldermen part of this? So both maps uh, have a second ward that so, connects. Sorry, just to oh. give yeah, people both, context. So both this maps. is the map for the, the coalition. This is Carlos's map over here. This is how the second ward looks, and then I'll pull up Rod's. Go ahead, Carlos. So both wards have portions of the second ward in downtown and then go up uh, kind of along Clybourne Avenue into uh, like the area right up there on the north end. So both maps essentially have something that looks kind of like that. Um, the, the key difference when it comes to the second ward is where Lincoln Yards is located. And you're right, Lincoln Yards ends up in the 32nd ward in the Rules Committee map, and it ends up in the second ward uh, in uh, the People's Coalition map. I think that the reason why that is that way is because it's just who lined up with Mitch Map, right? So Alderman Wagesback lined up with the Rules Committee map and he said, I want Lincoln Yards in my ward. Brian Hopkins lined up with the People's Coalition map and he said, I want Lincoln Yards in my ward. Lincoln Yards was challenged in court and unfortunately that TIF project is a done deal. So the only real things that can happen at this point in time is nitpicking. And some people feel like the 32nd ward is going to do a better job of saying that stop sign shouldn't go there or should go there. And some people feel that the second ward alderman is going to do a better job of saying that uh, stop sign should go there or they'll go there. I'll be honest with you. I care about working poor people first and foremost. And so when it comes to the People's Coalition map, hands down, poor and working poor people are treated better. Maybe people in, in Lincoln Park are going to be happier with Scott Wagsback saying where the stop sign goes. But, I mean, that's small potatoes compared to the issues we're facing in our communities. Yeah, but they could keep better track of where the $1.2 billion is going, right? So they're supposed to have a certain percentage of minority contractors, et cetera. I do not think that Brian Hopkins is going to hold their feet to the fire. That's my only – and, and, I and the court case, they just didn't have standing, two of them. But who knows, maybe someone else has standing. I will say if you look at Alderman Wagesback's track record with Mayor Lightfoot, I don't think that man is gonna stand up to her. Well, then you could do Michelle, Scott, and Walter. Divide it between the three, <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, it's $1.2 billion. <laughs> How do you support Hopkins on controlling Lincoln Yards for the continuation of 10 years? No, no, 
our map uh, has Scott Wagespeck represents Lincoln Yards. I don't Yards know in our what map. your map has. This is I can't even read this. I don't even know what. I'm sorry, but this is like I don't know what's going. I can't see the second word here at all. This isn't. There it is, right there. there it is. Uh, North and Forty Second Ward, right there. Right. Yeah, yeah, but like, what is this? This is like. So, so that, so that, is that gets us. This is part of the second ward right here. Right. That's looking, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much where we are right about now. Okay. That's about where we are right now. Okay. Any other answers to? No. Okay. Back there. Oh. Alderman Sawyer, are you thinking of running for mayor? And if you do run for mayor, will you support a progressive city income tax to kind of wean the city off of property taxes? I'll answer your second part first. Um, <laughs> I have uh, inquired about a, a city income tax when I first got in the office and talked about it in the Progressive Caucus on numerous occasions. I think Ben and I have even talked about this years ago. Uh, it's something I think we should at least look at, give a serious look at. I'm not saying I'm supporting or, or uh, against it right now, but it is something I brought up maybe eight, nine years ago about us looking at the concept. I'm always for bringing things to the table so that we can discuss them and make sense out of them. You know, and sometimes ideas come even better ideas, but this was an idea I brought up many years ago and I still support us discussing it further. I think it's important. Answer your first question, uh, I would be less than honest to you if I did not say that, that it was something that you know, I've, I'm, I look, I'm looking at currently. Uh, I've talked to some really great individuals throughout the city have encouraged me to at least take a very close look at it, and we're continuing to look right now. Yes, thank you. Might be running for mayor. <laughs> uh, I have a couple questions. Uh, first, I just want to know, I can't really tell from the maps what the heck's going on anywhere, but um, how much is staying the same versus kind of complete change on each map? Is, can we just get a kind of an idea? How much is staying the same compared to the current, current yeah. map? Okay. I think, I think overall, we're both somewhere around 70% is for the entire map. Okay. We're both pretty much, you know, if we talk about individual wards, that some are less, some are greater, obviously. Yep. But I think overall, I think we're both about seven. I think uh, Gil Viegas said the number about 72%, something in that area. Yeah, so that's okay. where we are. And the vast majority of the wards are, are very similar. Very even when you compare the coalition map with uh, the rules committee map, they're very similar. But where they differ, they differ a lot. Yes. That makes sense. Okay. And then my second uh, question is, and then I have a comment after, is it seems like you're both kind of frustrated with the process that's been going on for years and years and years where seemingly the aldermen or the powers that be design the, 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 these, these wards. And yet... One of you is specifically saying, and even commented on how, uh, you know, having been the 50th of the 50th alderman, you got the slim pickings at the end, that we're continuing to reward these people in power. And why not move more towards just an independent mapping that is really for the people and not for the aldermen that have power right now? And to answer your question, yes, I, I, I am, you, I guess you can see it and hear it in my voice about, um, it's not that I'm against the process. I think the process should be a little bit more open. I, I've, that's something I think I agree with. 
Carlos on, I think that we can open up this process and get more involvement. And again, I think we should have started earlier. That's something I actually proposed to individuals back then that we should start earlier with negotiations. I felt it's something we should take on the road and you know go to different communities and show the map early on as we're as we're producing it, as we're you know putting it together and get input early as opposed to finishing a map and then getting input after. So I, I do agree with that. I'm not sure I'm there with the, uh, and I'm not against the full community involvement in the map or voting on a map, uh, but uh, I'm working within the rules that we have now, and I think that the rules we have now could be opened up without ch actually changing them. And they could be opened up for more community participation, more involvement from individuals throughout the city than they are right now, that's all. Uh, so the Latino Caucus has endorsed an independent map process. Uh, I'm very proud that the Chicago Redistricting Advisory Committee, which led an independent community-led process to come up with uh, ward maps, uh, has endorsed the Latino Caucus uh, proposal. Um, there were some changes that were made to bring it more in line. Unfortunately, uh, that map, which we've put forward for a vote, is being blocked by Michelle Harris, the Rules Committee Chair. But I think that, you know, the fight that, that I've been engaged in, and I think that the majority of the members of the Latino Caucus have been engaged in, is about really moving towards a more fair process. Because if you're a community that is underrepresented at City Hall, it's really difficult to be able to advocate for a map that increases your opportunity to have seats at the table when you already don't have the seats at the table. And so if we're going to have a map that follows U.S. Census data, that puts the needs of communities ahead of political gerrymandering, we're going to need an independent commission process. And so to me, this has been very... Um, you know, eye-opening. I've honestly been very shocked by some folks who have said that they're for good government, that have said, you know, what they've been willing to, to support. And, you know, to me, I think this is a pretty clear example. Um, this is the 30, so under both maps, the 34th Ward moves out of the far south side to, uh, the, to closer to downtown. And this is the coalition map. Uh, it moves the 34th Ward to portions of, of the West Loop and, and West Town. And as you can see, it's kind of, you know, a, a pretty big clear box up there. And then this is the 34th Ward under the Rules Committee map, where basically folks just pick and chose what developments they did and did not want, what people they did and did not want in their ward, and instead you get something what some folks have described uh, as a lobster. So I'm gonna pass these out, you all can look at them. But I think this tells the story in and of itself, right? When you have a map like the coalition map that was led with the community in mind, you end up with, you know, clear straight lines. Uh, that keep communities together. And when you have a map that started out with, well, what do the most senior members, what do the folks in power want, you end up with what you see here between the differences in the 34th Ward. All right, another question over here? Oh, right here. Uh, yes, I was wondering how it could be that each of you guys think that your proposals are keeping communities together more and that the others are splitting up communities more. And could it be, like broadly speaking, that you have different definitions of what constitutes a community? No, I wouldn't say different definitions, but different perspectives. You know, maybe I'm talking about more on the south. I have a south side perspective on the map, and I know. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I, I like to think I know the city fairly well. I've lived here my entire life, and I've spent my life all throughout uh, north, south, east, and west. But I'm a south side. You know, and I think that I know the south side probably a little better than I do the north side, although I lived on the north side for a while. I lived right down the street from here uh, for a while. So I, um, I, I think it's just a perspective-based. It's not that we're, we're differing with one another. We have different perspectives of what communities are like. I know what, what the south side community is like, 
and Carlos may know what the north and northwest side community should look like. So I, I think we might not be speaking differences. We're just speaking different perspectives on what we're looking at. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, again, an objective analysis. Um, and again, we listened to what people had to say in terms of where they thought the split should occur. Um, and as much as possible, when we were drawing our map, uh, our demographer was very clear, our cartographer was very clear to always say, you know what, does the line really need to be there? Or is it better if it's you know, at North Avenue? Is it better if it's at Fullerton? Is it better if it's at a major street? where that community boundary already exists. So and I think, I think and I think both of them did that as well. Ours would do I the mean, same your thing. map doesn't look like you. No, I think that, we did right? the same thing. I think <laughs> I, I got to beg to differ on that one. Right. All right. Uh, over here. So if this uh, this issue goes to a referendum, what are your plans to educate residents um, about the benefits and drawbacks of each map at the ward level? So what are you going to do in your ward? or in each individual ward to sell your vision? Um, so we've already started knocking doors in the 35th ward and in the first ward and uh, all throughout the Northwest side where volunteers are active with various independent political organizations. And what we've been telling people is that the coalition map fairly represents all Chicago Chicagoans, was created through an open and transparent process, keep neighborhoods keeps neighborhoods together, and was drawn using clear straight lines, and then we tell folks that the Rules Committee map is just another power grab by the city's political machine. Um, and when we talk to folks about the differences between the map, um, you know, I, I think folks that we've spoken with overwhelmingly uh, support the coalition map. But one story that I, that I also think is really important to tell is the way in which the different maps treat Altgeld Gardens. So Altgeld Gardens is one of the most segregated, most polluted public housing developments in the nation. Uh, people that live there are living in poverty and they're living very disconnected from the rest of the city. Uh, Alcal Gardens has historically been in the Ninth Ward because that is the community that is closest to where Alcal Gardens is at. I mean, if you just look at a map on the far south side, Alcal Gardens, it makes sense being in the Ninth Ward. The Rules Committee map places Alcal Gardens in the Tenth Ward. In order for you to get from Alcal Gardens to the Tenth Ward Alderwoman's office, so Alcal Gardens is over here. No, no. Alcal Gardens is over here. The 10th Ward Alderwoman's office is over here. You have to ride three different buses over an hour and 40 minutes. That's how you get from Alcal Gardens to the 10th Ward Alderwoman's office. So for me, it's like if you think the people in Alcal Gardens should be in a contiguous and compact district in the 9th Ward where they can more easily access their alderman's office, vote for the People's Coalition map. If you think that some of the poorest, most disenfranchised people in our city should be disconnected from their alderman's office by... I don't know what this is, but it doesn't look good. Um, <laughs> yeah, should, should be disconnected. Uh, if you want to look on the Google map, how long it takes, it would take like over three hours and 30 minutes to walk from Elko Gardens to their alderman's office. If you think folks should be forced to be on a bus for an hour and 30 minutes, then vote for the Rules Committee map. Well, I consider that more of an indictment on public transportation than the location of the map. It's really like a five minute drive across but it is a bad public it's transportation six, it's system. It's 16 minutes. No, I, I mean, it's, I doubt if it's 16 minutes because I've driven it many times. I, I go, and that's, again, that's in, an indictment of the roads and the public transportation system that we all have that we need to be talking about. I'm hopefully we have, you know, a discussion about in the future. Um, but I will say that to your, go back to your original question. The question was, what are you, how are you going to be oh, about, educating about, yes. people in the wards? We've already, about, I want to get back to that question. Yes, thank you. 
Uh, we've already also been uh, indoctrinating that, making sure people understand it. Uh, it's on our website. It's been at every meeting we've uh, either we attend or that we've hosted. Uh, I don't expend my energy talking about the coalition map. I spend all my energy talking about the Chicago United map and how it uh, does the same things, quite honestly, that Carlos just listed. You know, keeping communities together, making sure that we have people of, of common interests in the same ward. These are the things that we talk about, and when I talk to individuals about this and they look at the map, they love the way the sixth ward is drawn under the Chicago United map, and we're gonna continue to push that to our residents in the sixth ward over and over and over again. We'll be sending out mailers, we'll be doing things in the community, uh, at every community meeting I attend, part of that discussion is about the map and what we're proposing. All right, I think, was there, back there, oh. So why will the maps not be displayed on the referendum ballots? Um, did politics play any role in that decision? And do you think that that decision will impact the outcome? I, I've never known, I, and I've been involved politically for a long time in the city and I've never known that the maps uh, every 10 years were ever on the, on the uh, ballot. So I don't think this is anything different. I think this is how they've been doing it all this time. Is it something that could be changed? Maybe we could look at it and see if that can happen, but this is how it's been done and it's just been consistent. Nothing's changed about how they're doing it. It's the names, the map, and the names, the map. The, the last referendum was in 1992. 1992. Yeah. They, they I weren't remember. printed on the ballot then? I, I, you know what? No, I think it, was, it, it, it listed out the, the names. It'll, it'll say like a proposal by, and then it'll list it off which aldermen are supporting. Yeah. Matter of fact, we looked at it recently. Yeah, I, it, it's, it, it comes down to a popularity contest. I remember in 92, I was voting for whoever, whichever alderman I liked. You know. I mean, <laughs> my understanding is that it has something to do with just uh, like logistics of printing an image on the ballot. And would you, I mean, this is a massive screen and you can already see that it's very hard to tell some of these apart. And it takes apart. up a lot of, takes up a lot of space. Yeah, so I, I, one of the explanations I've heard is that it just, it would be like a tiny pixelated image that wouldn't be meaningful anyway. Now someone did tell me, and I don't know how true this is, but it's someone who worked for the rules committee 10 years ago and they said that if there is a referendum, that in the polling place, they will print out big maps. I don't know how true that is, but I certainly hope that is the case. All right, so when they do political maps uh, in a statewide legislative uh, uh, series of districts, they are gerrymandered uh, by the party in power. And so uh, and at this moment, my personal opinion, and Carlos knows where I'm going with this, is that uh, I want Democrats as much as possible drawing those maps because I don't want MAGA to have control anywhere because MAGA's lost its mind. Now, if we go to a, a federal system where there's an independent body that can guarantee that every state is fairly drawn, I'll buy into that. But until we get that, I want Democrats drawing the map. So here on a local level, you're both progressives. You're both in the progressive caucus. If he runs for office, possibility, ladies and gentlemen, he might support him. Possibility. So they're not that far apart ideologically. So I want you to make an argument to lefties and progressives who will be your audience listening to this. Why is your map, or why is your map in the better interest of God help us all, electing more 
I'll call them progressives as opposed to lefties because they probably want to be called progressives, not lefties. So I don't care who goes first. I'll go with Carlos first. Why is your map... You said you don't care who goes first. <laughs> well, I just looked at um, you. It looked like you really wanted to answer. So go ahead. You know, I, I think that it's difficult to predict the future. Um, we know that Chicago has progressive majorities, but we also know that when it comes to municipal elections, progressives undervote and conservatives and more moderate voters, which there's a lot of studies that show that people who identify as moderate are just conservative, um, they vote in greater numbers. Um, so for example, if I were facing the voters in a democratic primary, um, I would have a much higher ceiling uh, for support as opposed to uh, in a nonpartisan municipal primary. There's some argument to be made that we should bring back partisan primaries. If you want a more progressive city council, I mean, there's some folks that there in the city council right now that would not be elected if they had to win a Democratic primary first before they were elected to the Chicago City Council. So, I mean, if your primary thing is how do we elect more progressives to the Chicago City Council, I think there is an argument to be made to uh, you know, bring back partisan primaries. But to be honest, I mean, I think there's arguments to be made both ways. Uh, I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, you know, putting the 36th Ward all the way, so the 36th Ward stretches all the way from Harlem all the way to Logan Square. Uh, to Palmer Square, if you're familiar with Palmer Square. The people that live in Palmer Square vote in higher numbers and vote more progressive than the folks that live in Belmont Cragen. So there is an argument to be made there. You know, if you want to elect more progressives in the 36th Ward, support the Rules Committee map. But is that fair to the people of Belmont Cragen? Is that fair to the people that live by Harlem? Is that fair to the people that live at Palmer Square that they should have a ward that stretches six miles from east to west? Uh, that is the... That is the coalition map. I'm talking about the, the Rules Committee map. So you can see the 36th Ward goes all the way from over here through Belmont Cragen, and then you see this? That is the ward. And then it opens up here in Palmer. So that means that the working poor people that live here who vote in fewer numbers will likely be elected by the voters over here. Their representation will likely be decided by the people over here. And so for me, yeah, this is a better map for progressives. Let me tell you, this is a way better map for progressives, but it's a disservice to the people who live over here and arguably is also a disservice to the people who live over here. So I gotta, I gotta be fair and honest, and the truth is there's arguments to be made both ways. Well, I, I, will, I will join in Carlos' assessment. I was around when they changed the, the nonpartisan election in the city of Chicago, and it was just purely an incumbent protection program at that time. Uh, I was there, I watched it happen as a young adult, young lawyer, and, and knew that it was, it was tragic and was gonna um, disseminate our, our ability for people of progressive natures to, to get things done. But uh, I also agree with Carlos regarding, you know, we can make arguments both ways, and I don't wanna belabor that point and, and just say that, because I think that the Chicago United map is a, a better map for all involved, and, and, and Carlos thinks that the coalition map is better than all involved. We can sit here all day long and, and talk about our respective benefits and shortcomings, and uh, we'll still be where we are. So uh, I think that whatever we do, we're going to continue to work together. Uh, I think that's what's most important. We're going to continue to work for the benefit of the city, uh, citizens of the city of Chicago. Uh, Carlos and I are going to continue to collaborate because I think he's a great guy, and he has great ideas, and uh, we're going to keep working. That's all I can say. I think that's a great note to end on. Why don't we all give a round of applause to our wonderful guests.
this with a little better understanding of what kind of how you're going to make your decisions uh, when the referendum comes on June 28th. The election is on June 28th. Uh, we have one more show before the election. The first Tuesdays in June. Um, we'll be bumping up the time of the next show. We'll be starting at um, at six instead of six thirty. So we'll be going six to seven thirty. So, but. Subscribe to First Tuesdays on Instagram. We're at first underscore Tuesdays. Find us on Facebook, First Tuesdays with Maya and Ben. Please support, read, and donate to the Chicago Reader, which is now newly independent and is becoming a nonprofit for real now. subscribe, donate to Injustice Watch as well, where I work, injusticewatch.org. Uh, we are producing the only independently researched, thoroughly fact-checked, nonpartisan judicial election guide for you to take with you into that voting booth on June, on June 28th and make an informed decision about judges. Uh, you'll be voting on many, many judges uh, on June 28th. So yeah, I think that 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 about covers it. Thank you all for uh, for coming out, and we hope to see you at our June show. Look out on our social media for all the information about who our guests will be.